You're listening to the Bible Chunks Read-Through Podcast in association with the Limadine Bible Reading Plan and Charles River Church. To have your own copy of this reading plan sent straight to your inbox, you can sign up at charlesriver.lmd.church. For more information about Charles River Church, visit charlesriverchurch.com. We read the whole story to make whole disciples of Jesus. Hey, welcome to Bible Chunks, where we read through the Bible in the chunks, or sections based on themes that it was designed to be read in, so we can get a better handle on the story of God. My name's Kevin. That's enough about me. Let's dive into the Word. Today we'll be reading Acts 15.36 through 18.23, 103 verses today. And after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, Let's return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord, and see how they are. Now Barnabas wanted to take with them John, called Mark. But Paul thought best not to take with them one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia, and had not gone with them to the work. And there arose a sharp disagreement, so that they separated from each other. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and departed, having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. Paul came also to Derbe and to Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. As they went on their way through the cities, they delivered to them for observance the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith, and they increased in numbers daily. And they went through the region of Phrygia, and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come up to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So setting sail from Troas, we made a direct voyage to Samothrace, and the following day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia, and a Roman colony. We remained in the city some days, and on the Sabbath day we went outside the gate to the riverside, where we supposed there was a place of prayer. And we sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia, from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods, who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul, and after she was baptized, and her household as well, she urged us, saying, If you've judged me faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. As we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl, who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and us, crying out, These men are servants of the Most High God, who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And this she kept doing for many days. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you, in the name of Jesus Christ, to come out of her. 
and it came out that very hour. But when her owners saw that their hope of gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. When they had brought them to the magistrates, they said, These men are Jews, and they're disturbing our city. They advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept or practice. The crowds joined in attacking them, but, and the magistrates tore the garments off of them and gave orders to beat them with rods. When they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly, there was a great earthquake, so that the foundation of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried out with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him, and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night, and washed their wounds. And he was baptized at once, he and all his family. Then he brought them up to his house and set food before them. And he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. But when it was day, the magistrate sent the police, saying, Let those men go. And the jailer reported these words to Paul, saying, The magistrates have sent to let you go. Therefore come out now and go in peace. But Paul said to them, They've beaten us publicly, uncondemned men who are Roman citizens, and have thrown us into prison. And do they now throw us out secretly? No. Let them come themselves and take us out. The police reported these words to the magistrates, and they were afraid when they had heard that they were Roman citizens. Now they came and apologized to them, and they took them out and asked them to leave the city. So they went out of the prison and visited Lydia, and when they had seen the brothers, they encouraged them and departed. Now when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollina, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul went in, as was his custom, and on three Sabbath days he reasoned with them from the Scriptures, explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead, and saying, This Jesus whom I proclaim to you is the Christ. And some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a great many of the devout Greeks, and not a few of the leading women. But the Jews were jealous, and taking some wicked men of the rabble, they formed a mob, set the city in an uproar, and attacked the house of Jason, seeking to bring them out to the crowd. When they could not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city authority, shouting, These men, who have turned the world upside down, have come also here. And Jason has received them. And they are all acting against the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, Jesus. And the people in the city authorities were disturbed as they heard these things. And when they had taken money as security from Jason and the rest, they let them go. The brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. When they arrived, they went into the Jewish synagogue. Now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Many of them therefore believed, with not a few Greek women of high standing as well as men. 
But when the Jews from Thessalonica learned that the word of God was proclaimed by Paul at Berea also, they came there too, agitating and stirring up the crowds. Then the brothers immediately sent Paul off on his way to the sea, but Silas and Timothy remained there. Those who conducted Paul brought him as far as Athens, and after receiving a command for Silas and Timothy to come to him as soon as possible, they departed. Now while Paul was waiting for them in Athens, his spirit was provoked within him as he saw that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the devout persons and in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be there. Some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers also conversed with him. And some said, what does this babbler wish to say? Others said, he seems to be a preacher of foreign divinities because he was preaching Jesus and the resurrection. And they took him and brought him to the Areopagus, saying, May we know what this new teaching is that you're presenting? For you bring some strange things to our ears. We wish to know, therefore, what these things mean. Now all the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there would spend their time in nothing except telling or hearing something new. So Paul, standing in the midst of the Areopagus, said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. For as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, I found also an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God. What therefore you worship is unknown? This I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he's actually not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As even some of your own poets have said, for we are indeed his offspring. Being then God's offspring, we ought not to think of the divine being as like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and imagination of man. The times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent, because he's fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he appointed, and of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. Now when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, but others said, We will hear you about this again. So Paul went out from their midst. But some men joined him and believed, among whom also were Dionysus, the Areopagite, and a woman named Damaris, and others with them. After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. And he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome. And he went to see them. Because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked, for they were tent makers by trade. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath, and tried to persuade Jews and Greeks. When Silas and Timothy arrived from Macedonia, Paul was occupied with the word, testifying to the Jews that the Christ was Jesus. When they opposed and reviled him, he shook out his garments and said to them, Your blood be on your own heads. I'm innocent. From now on, I'll go to the Gentiles. And he left there and went to the house of a man named Titius Justus, a worshiper of God. His house was ne next door to the synagogue. Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed in the Lord, together with his entire household. Many of the Corinthians, hearing Paul, believed and were baptized. The Lord said to Paul one night in a vision, Do not be afraid, but go on speaking and do not be silent, for I am with you, and no one will attack you to harm you, 
for I have many in this city who are my people. And he stayed a year and six months teaching the word of God among them. But when Gallio was proconsul in Achaia, the Jews made a united attack on Paul and brought him before the tribunal, saying, This man is persuading people to worship God contrary to the law. But when Paul was about to open his mouth, Gallio said to the Jews, If it were a matter of wrongdoing or a vicious crime, O Jews, I'd have reason to accept your complaint. But since it's a matter of questions about words and names and your own law, see to it yourselves. I refuse to be a judge of these things. And he drove them from the tribunal, and they all seized Sosthenes, the ruler of the synagogue, and beat him in front of the tribunal. But Gallio paid no attention to any of this. After this, Paul stayed many days longer, and then took leave of the brothers, and set sail for Syria, and with him Priscilla and Aquila. At Chenechari he had, his, he had cut his hair, for he was under a vow. And they came to Ephesus, and he left them there. But he himself went into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. When they asked him to stay for a longer period, he declined. But taking leave of them, he said, I'll return to you if God wills. Then he set sail from Ephesus. When he had landed at Caesarea, he went up and greeted the church, and went down to Antioch. After spending some time there, he departed, and went from one place to the next, through the region of Galatia and Phrygia, strengthening the disciples. today's reading, we get Paul's second missionary journey as he and Barnabas separate. Barnabas and John Mark, they go off back to Crete, which is where Barnabas was from. And Paul and Silas head off uh, to Syria, Cilicia, Derby, Lystra. And it was in uh, Lystra, I believe, where he meets a guy named Timothy, a young man, probably late teens, early 20s and he takes Timothy along with him. Now, what's really interesting is that he had just brought the news from the Jerusalem Council to Antioch that Gentiles do not have to be circumcised in order to become Christians. And the first thing that he does to Timothy is has him circumcised so that he doesn't give offense to the Jews. Now, this has nothing to do with right standing before the Lord. It has everything to do with getting rid of any and all obstacles in order to win those to Christ. So it's not mandatory that Timothy be circumcised in order to then follow Jesus. The heart behind it, the motivation behind it, is that Timothy wouldn't give offense to the Jews. Because his dad was a Greek, they knew that, and so he, he willingly, uh, not under compulsion, but willingly, uh, out of love for those who he's trying to reach, endured the circumcision so that he wouldn't give offense to them. And they continue through. Uh, they try to go into Asia, but they're blocked by the Holy Spirit somehow and the Spirit of Jesus. And we don't get a ton of information about what that looks like, but we do know that they're, they're given a vision of this man from Macedonia towards Greece who's calling them towards them. So they go onward towards Macedonia. And the first person that they meet is this woman, or not the first person, but one of the first people that they meet is this woman, this rich woman named Lydia. And she is actually from Thyatira, which is in Asia. So isn't it interesting that he he 
is called to Macedonia to reach an Asian woman. Uh, it, it's in Turkey, but that would have been considered Asia at the time. And so uh, they go and they preach the good news and, and many are saved. Many come to the knowledge of Christ and then Paul and Silas end up in prison. Now, once they're, they're in prison, they, they continue to do. It's just whatever you decide, like whatever the external circumstances are, Paul is going to continue and whoever's with him, they're just going to continue to do the faithful thing. And they're trusting that this is also part of the Lord's plan. So you're in prison. What are we going to do? We're going to pray. We're going to preach. We're going to, we're going to sing. And God sent another earthquake. And through that earthquake, the, the jailer and his family come to know Christ because Paul, rather than spiking the ball and saying, see, you see, this is because you have jailed me. And no, Paul says, hey, he has compassion on him and he preaches the good news to him. And then he's, as he's allowed to leave prison, he actually calls them and says, no, you've brought shame on the name of Jesus by putting us in prison. We want you to publicly release us so that Jesus's name doesn't have shame. And it kind of brings more renown to what they're doing. So it's wise, it's shrewd what he's doing there. And then they go off to Thessalonica. Thessalonica, we have two books of the New Testament, First and Second Thessalonians, which are based in uh, to the churches in Thessalonica, uh, but when they're there, it does not go well for them. There's a riot that erupts, and um, and Paul is forced out of the city. And then they go to Berea. And they, they in Berea, things go a lot better until those powerful um, people from Thessalonica hear that they're in Berea, and they head over to to, to Berea and and they stir up division. And then from there, they go to Athens, the hotbed of the intellectual world of the ancient times. And Paul is allowed to go into the Areopagus, Mars Hill, where the philosophers and those people who kind of had the say of what is in and what is out, where they would argue and debate and listen. And Paul is allowed to share the good news right there in the Areopagus. And not a ton of people believe, but some do. And so... From there, he heads over to Corinth. We have more books of the Bible, uh, First and Second Corinthians, where we learn a little bit more about what, how that church was faring and what Paul was doing uh, in planting that church. And then from there, heads back to home base in Antioch. And so that's his second missionary journey around the Greek world. And so as we wrap up today, there's a lot happening. But as we wrap up today, I'd ask you to consider what does this section of scripture tell us? Oh, I almost forgot the most important thing. As they're in, they're, they're, they're turning the world upside down. I don't know if you caught that, but they're turning the world upside down with their teaching. That's the accusation against them. They're teaching that Caesar isn't king, that Jesus is king, and they're turning the entire world upside down. And that's, that's prophecy fulfilled. That's Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, ends of the earth. This to the whole world is getting turned upside down by this message. Now, what does this section of scripture tell you about who God is and what he wants for the world? And what does it tell you about yourself? And then finally, what was it that the Holy Spirit was stirring up while we were reading? Take those thoughts, turn them into prayers, and we'll be right here again tomorrow. Until then, God bless.